When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to Midpoint. I'm so happy that my guest this week is a man who has brought so much joy to so many people since the start of COVID restrictions back in March. Andrew Cotter's day job is commentating on sport, which he is brilliant at. And I've worked with him for 12 years on rugby, athletics and a range of BBC sports shows. I always knew he was a dog man. And at the start of lockdown in March, he combined his love of Mabel and Olive, his Labradors, with his talent as a commentator. The result has been phenomenal. Tens of thousands of downloads of his amazing videos, a global book deal, interest from Hollywood producers, there's even a musical that's been mooted, and a wonderful second career has been spawned. His colleagues always knew he was darkly funny, and now the world does too. So my expert, to kind of go alongside this, is a global CEO, Jim Heitner. He's got top tips about starting a new business venture if you've had something burning inside you over the last year or so that you're desperate to launch following Andrew's inspirational lead. This episode comes to you thanks to Solgar, whose 70-year commitment to health and well-being has resulted in almost 300 different vitamins and minerals, which means we can all keep healthy through the cold winter months to come. Come on then. Hi. Hi, Oliver Mabel. Mabel. Mabel at the back. <laughs> it's like it's like having an audience with the Pope, Mabel isn't like it? Look. Oh, look. You see, Emma's normally left by now, but she's hanging around to see the real stars. <laughs> she's normally off doing her own lining. I might have to get you to get them back at some point. So we are now officially recording, Andrew, so you mm. can put that proper uh, commentator's voice on if you want. Oh, Gabby, my- lovely to lovely to hear from you. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> my kids always accuse me of having a telly voice because that, that they 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 kind of go, "That's your telly voice. Why are you using your telly voice?" Well, we all do. We do have a different broadcast, slightly different broadcasting voice. I, I'm slightly, probably slightly broader when I'm talking to, and certainly when I'm talking to the rest of my family up in Scotland, I'd be, I'd be much bro- not much broader, but I'd be broader than I am when I'm broadcasting a lot of broads in the in the yeah, early there's, salvos there's a lot in of breadth to you all right we know that there's a lot of depth a lot of breadth but i don't think you do actually i think you sound pretty consistent actually having yeah well listen to you all the time i would mumble a bit more when i'm not broadcasting because i'm not um which is not a major attribute for a for a no no and i do but uh, that's one thing that broadcasting helped me with in that you have to um, not enunciate, but you have to um, speak clearly. And I always spoke reasonably clearly, but I think when I'm talking in normal conversation, you're not quite as, I'm a lot more stuttery as well. I think when I'm, as you can probably tell in this opening exchange, uh, again, <laughs> I think it's because my mind wanders off onto various other things and down avenues and whatever. But when you're commentating, you've got a clarity of that's the yeah. action. So I've got to commentate on that. I've got to be precise and clear. Whereas if you get me in conversation, um, then I don't know. It doesn't (laughs) happen, does it? Again, the thing is, you know me, I can't lie to the listeners and say, quite often I give the impression and throughout this whole dog video uh, success that... uh, I like you embracing it. 
Andrew's such a, yeah, exactly. He's a really cheery and he seems like a great people person. Whereas you'll know that I'm, I'm perhaps slightly more misanthropic than, than I give we'll the- We'll get to we're, that. Yeah. I've we're all got... just acting in those videos. That's not really the true Olive and Mabel either. Yeah, no, I've just seen them. You just let me have a little hello with them. And they came wagging their tails, holding, yes. uh, well, holding, having having some kind of toy in their mouth. So uh, they're, they're real. They're real. Mm. They're alive. They're well. They are not yeah. stage dogs. Um, you'll be delighted to know, Andrew, that because this podcast is called Midpoint, we don't have to go back and dissect your childhood, you know, oh, talk about the, the formative years, things that created the persona we all know now. But um, it did strike me when I was thinking about speaking to you, and I hope you take this the right way. Oh, I met God. you in 2008 at the Olympics in Beijing. I just mm. started working for the BBC, so I've known you 12 years. And if, right from the very first time I met you, I had a feeling that you were somebody who looked forward to being grown up when you were a child. Um. Well, I'm going to say that's... No, I think I... I mean, I, I am exceedingly immature, um, but uh, but I was always quite a sort of grumpy child, I would imagine. Yeah, well, but I think it's that, it's that part of your personality which seems quite grown up because most kids, <laughs> kind of grumpiness only happens when they can't get their sweets or, you know, so it's quite grown up to be grumpy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think I'm also a little bit... Um, I do. I do tend to, and I don't want to sort of open myself up in the. This is the psychiatrist chair or anything here, but <laughs> but I do tend to look on the bleaker side of things as well. Or perhaps I, you know, I would say that I just see the reality of of the world, which can be a pretty you know horrible place at times. And I, I, I you know, I, that, that might well be a slightly Scottish trait as well. And there's a, you know, certainly we have a reputation for being rather gloomy. That's not the case for all people. But, you know, when someone points out to me about Andy Murray, they say, oh, he's such a doer bastard. You go, well, no, he's, that's just, he's actually probably mid-table, mid-table to upper table in terms of cheeriness in Scotland. Um, I don't know. There is definitely a, a northern bleakness to, you know, and there's a Scand it's a Scandinavian trait as well. You know, yeah. I think it must be related to the lack of sunshine or whatever it might be. Um, or the the dark winter nights, which just go on and on and on. But there's definitely a there's definitely a dourness and a bleakness to to a lot of Scottish people. Um, so again, I hope I'm cheering up in this podcast. <laughs> the thing is, you're married to one of the most someone who bucks the trend entirely. <laughs> Kenny would be the counterweight to almost everybody else in Scotland, in that he is the most positive, life affirming force of nature you've ever met. And when I meet him, it's like. Um, it's like yin and yang and we just collide and and somehow we create a being that's, that's again, pretty much down the middle because he's so happy and, and I'm the other side. <laughs> he met you, uh, he already knew you obviously, but it was on a plane in 2003 at the Rugby World Cup. Yes. He just commentated on a game and, and he told me what he, as he walked on the plane, he saw you and he saw your facial expression. And Scotland had actually just won a match yeah. of rugby. Yeah. And what did he say to you? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it was words to the effect of, you know, with a few words left out, cheer up, come on, whatever. I mean, it was just, but I do, I do specifically remember that meeting because he was just bouncing around. Um, I mean, we'd probably, I think we'd just beaten the Vatican City, scraped <laughs> three-point win. And, Listen, and a he win was is a win. Up, he was being up. But you see, your, your downness, whatever you want to call it, your reality, your, you know, just seeing the truth in life, you do turn that into very dark humour. You know, you, you are a naturally funny man. So it's not, it's not like you go around telling people to stop being happy. You, you've just got a very kind of clever dark sense of humor. I play up to it a little bit because you know I'll come into um, 
you know, the bar of an evening at a hotel. I mean, that itself is a lie. Obviously, I don't do that. But if I did, everyone would go, here comes Chuckles or whatever. And so you play up to that persona a little bit. Um, I mean, I love all, not not all comedy at all. I don't know why I said that. I love comedy and good comedy. It's very comedy. dangerous to say, by the way, that you love all comedy. In yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm Mrs. Brown's boys. I don't, you know, so I like, I, I love good comedy and observation, satire. And quite a lot of that comes from a, dark cynical place in people and you know you'll know most most of the most talented comics out there are pretty can be pretty dark people um and it's that um that edge to them i'm not saying that i'm not that sounds like i'm saying and i of course i'm one of those genius comics (laughs) but it's there's definitely a, a darkness and a bleakness and i'm always wary of people who are um, relentlessly optimistic because I think, have you not been paying attention? Do you not see? Do you not see the world and see everything that's that's going wrong or can go wrong or whatever? I don't know. I, I, but again, that's that's the way you're born. A lot. Some of it will be nurture as well, but I think a lot of it is just well, the, maybe way you're, also the way you're wired. If you have really desperately sad and bad things happen to you when you're younger, um, sometimes you kind of make a conscious decision then to decide. But, that that's not going to define you because no, you know terrible things yeah, can happen. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because there's no excuse for me at all. I've been very, very fortunate in everything I've um, had in life. You know, you think about all the people in the world who are in dreadful situations or dreadful things happen to them. And Touchwood, I've come from a place of privilege, not, not enormous privilege, but I mean privilege in terms of being um, somebody from that demographic which has had no oppression or things to worry about, a fairly comfortable um, middle-class lifestyle and good education and nice people around me. So there's no excuse for any of of the way I sometimes look at the world, but that's just the way you are wired. And sometimes you feel bad about it because of that. You think, well, what what have I got to complain about? So you're aware of that, but it doesn't stop you feeling the way you you feel about things. And most of the time you're feeling it on behalf of the, the pain you can see in the rest of the world anyway. You're not just, you're not yeah. thinking about your own situation, thinking, oh, woe is me. You're thinking, oh, woe are all those other people. Mm. And so you soak all that in and you're angry and upset and a bit down on, on their behalf. Um, was this supposed to be quite a fun podcast? Because again, I'm, I'm sort of misinterpreting things here. Um, no, it's it's because we start kind of in the middle of your life and you're in this period. I think you're we're pretty similar age, aren't we? I think mm. I'm 47. And if you're not 47, you're either just about to be or just Monday. Monday. That, right. And yeah, I'll throw a big party. Like, but of, course ne- of course you are. Of course I'm, I won't. I'm, I mean, I've, I've never had a big invite. party. I don't, I can't think of anything not worse, but I can't think of... I, I, the idea of saying, hey, it's a party and it's about me. What, what, I mean, come on. just. I have to say, even though you probably think this is disingenuous, I only had a 40th birthday party because Denise Lewis told me to. She said, yeah, she said, right she said what are you doing? If you, I said, nothing. And she said, you've got to celebrate. You've got to celebrate. This is an amazing period of your yeah. life that you're about to head into. And no, you know, Absolutely. Seb Coe said to me, said, Andrew, you've got to have a party. <laughs> he didn't. Um, so Denise is a colleague. I wasn't named. I know. She's a colleague. <laughs> no, I know. I know. So what is the the juxtaposition of this, or maybe it's a natural reaction, is your relationship with animals and nature is so joyous. And what you've brought to people in lockdown with your revelation that not only can you commentate on major sporting events, but you can make very 
ordinary everyday dog events <laughs> hugely entertaining i don't know how is this is this been going on in secret for a long time or was no. it just a one-off thing that you you just suddenly looked at the dogs and thought you need commentating yeah. on i mean talking talking to my dogs has gone on my whole life and again perhaps some of that is to do with the fact that sometimes people who feel less comfortable with people are very comfortable with animals or find a little bit of a, a solace in a chat with an animal. Now that animal might be an absolute bastard and might be a very unpleasant <laughs> animal, but we don't see that. I don't, I, animals and dogs in particular are just very genuine and upfront. They might be, might be greedy. They might be a little bit snappy and a bit grumpy, but uh, you know, I just, uh, I see a lot of honesty in animals. And, so were you um, commentating in your head when you say you were talking to them? Do you, if you were out in the no, park? No, never commentating. No, no, no just, just we, chatting to them. Okay. So you chat to them out loud in yeah. public? Yeah, absolutely. And it's never chat as in wovu very much, my little frame, woof, woof, woof. Um, whatever that was. But it's it's just um right we're going over here. Chat now. To hours, I think. Exactly. It's people who people who I don't know. It's uh, people who consider them dogs their their children say, Mummy's very cross with woo. What? What? You know, that's, this isn't my child. This is a dog. But I, I love, don't chat um, to my children like that either. So maybe that makes no. me a bad mother. But I do. <laughs> yeah. When I come down in the morning, I'm always usually the first up, and I see that the dogs come as they do, and that beautiful kind of waggy tails, really excited, can't believe that they're going to get to do another day with you. You know that yeah. look in their eyes. Yeah. And I, I good morning, guys. You're right. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're talking to them. We talk to them. You just talk to them normally and say, right, okay, we're going. Right, okay. And when I'm on a walk, I was saying, no, no, not that. We were going this way over here. This way, yeah. yeah. No. And I'll be trying to say, no, we went this. We went that way yesterday, so we're not going that way today. We're going this but way. But they understand. Like Maggie always goes past this one particular turning that if I want to go, I said, no, Maggie, we're going right. And I actually say it like that, and she turns round and comes mm. back. So she, either she's hyper intelligent, she knows the difference between right and left, or there's some kind of like the way my tone of my voice tells her I she's gone wrong. And it's she's probably the latter. Oh, <laughs> all those two things. She has it's, got poodle in her, and they're yeah. very, they're very clever poodles. So are they? Are they? Are they? Yeah, no, they're very clever poodle she's not they, a poodle she's a labrador i think well i think sometimes we see poodles and we we judge them on their on their appearance on their hair and think no, that's that the american can't be intelligent. poodle like we had, yeah. we grew up with poodles with shaggy long shaggy coats that looked Did like you? Kind of, yeah so they weren't they weren't dressed they get bad press poodles because of that it's a bit like labradors get a bad press because they're greedy you know there's like labels stick and it hurts i think those well <laughs> yeah well especially olive and mabel come from working lines so they are you get show labradors and you get working line labradors right. and show labradors are bred to be big and chunky and a tendency to the portly whereas working ones were ah, historically so working leaner. dogs Yours so they're slimmer leaner, yeah yeah they're only about 25 kilos each i mean mabel's not even that so um, whereas Labradors for show are bred with big broad faces and necks yeah. and really big big dogs but um, yeah so we've, we've, we've strayed off into dog territory there No somehow. that's good because well this is kind of you know th this whole a lot of midlife is people making decisions about whether they do something really brave they've always wanted to do and change the trajectory of their life or whether they just decide right you know what I'm going to be content so one of my friends told me that she'd read an article that 47 is the age where <laughs> if you haven't achieved what you want to achieve you're going to that's your disposition you're then going to be in that kind of zone for the rest of your life if you have you'll carry on doing things that you really want to do I'm not sure I quite believe it it's almost like it's a pivotal age no but that is fascinating because for the last couple of years I have been thinking now you and I are very fortunate to do the jobs we do. It's a job that people would kill to do. Um, well, actually, that's a bit excessive and definitely not allowed. Don't do it. Um, but the job we do is so 
enjoyable and it is a, a real aspiration for lots of people to work in broadcasting or to work in sports broadcasting. Again, they'll say you get paid to watch sport and talk about sport. We know there's a lot more to it than that, but it's still a brilliant job. Mm -hmm. Yet for the last few years, because you do the same events year in, year out, by and large, there, it's still it's still brilliant. And I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea here. But you do kind of think, is is this it? Or is there something else that I could be doing? I've been doing this for you know 20 years or more. And so you do think, oh, I'd love to try that. And I've always wanted to try making films, uh, making documentaries, making something, making comedy or writing, whatever it might be. And absolutely, you think, I'd love to do that, but I haven't got the time because you're into this, this rut, this very comfortable, enjoyable rut, but it does become... This furrow that has been dug for well, you, you've you dug. You have, you know, at the beginning of every year, before that even, years yeah. before, the major events you're going to work yeah. on, you know, so as, as as interesting and as different every day can be, actually, it's pretty much set, it, isn't it? It is. What you're going to it, do. It is. And so you might have all these aspirations or plans to, to have done other stuff. And this is the same for people in all walks of life. Mm. They get into a job and it pays the mortgage and they quite enjoy it. But they might have dreams or thoughts that they might want to do something else. And I've, I've thought of that quite a lot over the last few years, but you don't have the opportunity. And then suddenly 2020 happens and it's not that you m make something happen, but it's just that a gap is made for you and you have to do something else. And it might have started as something silly just to entertain yourself or to entertain some other people, but suddenly it opens up a project, writing a book, and it opens up the, the capability to you've got a platform and a, a willing audience to for you to make films for mm -hmm. them. And, even, you know, making a little mini documentary, a mockumentary involving Olive and Mabel or the Zoom meeting, when you could get a chance to be a bit more creative. Now, this is not, you know, this is not Citizen Kane, but it's an opportunity to do something just a bit different. And I have hated this year for many reasons, but I've absolutely loved being given that chance to to show a different side. And do you think, I mean, I hope, I wish you massive success with the book and everything else that you do, but do you think that it will also reignite a little bit of appreciation for your day job? Because I imagine that you, you, your plan is not to completely leave commentating on regular humans doing sport. No, it's not, because that is something that I have enjoyed and do enjoy and will enjoy again in the future and hopefully, you know, continue to be, you know, do a reasonable job at it. Um, it, it again, is not as well is any job stable at the moment but it's not the most stable job because we know that rights for sports yeah. events can come and go and when you're a freelancer you you suddenly might find yourself with a bit of a, a gap in the calendar so it's always nice to have something else available whether it's uh you know whether it's a podcast or stuff that you put on youtube even that's you know a way of doing things making little films or writing books um yeah doing other things I will always try and keep that going now. I'm not going to drop that at all. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, and it, it will, I'm sure, be a bit more Olive and Mabel. It might be something else. Other projects might arise. But you're absolutely right. This time of life is when you, you say it's, it's the crossroads. It's now or it's never. Now or, it's now or never. It is absolutely now or never. And you, do, you get this sort of existential angst about it all and say, what is, what is my, is this what I do? Is this what I am? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be forever more. And what is the, what is my purpose and what, what am I? And so you, you think, right, I'll, I'll do this and it might work. The worst thing to do would be to look back and say, I wish I'd tried. I wish I'd taken a, mm -hmm. a little bit of a leap. And if it didn't work, it didn't work. But at least I, I had a little 
glimpse at what was out there, what was possible. And so I, I had um, a very interesting offer from, I mean, you couldn't get a bigger figure in the entertainment industry who came in and said, look, let's try and you know see what we can do uh, with Olive and Mabel. And I would hate to look back in five years time, 10 years time and say, I wish I'd done something more with that opportunity. Can you not say? Can you not say what it is? No. I is there going to be a musical? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a musical. So we're just trying to get um, Barrowman on board at the moment to play, play Oliver and Mabel. <laughs> to play you? Yeah, to play me, of course. Why did I say Oliver and Mabel? To play me. He is, I mean, he's Scottish, Canadian, isn't he? So, um, and he's got a, I, I, we've both got a flamboyance about David us. Tennant. David Tennant would play you. Tennant, yeah. Yeah, um, in the film. I, 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 it's just interesting. And you, you, again, you don't want to look back and say, I just carried on doing sport, which I love doing. I love sports broadcasting, but there was more out there and I wish I'd had a look at it. So I'm going to explore every possibility. Not every possibility. There's been lots of stuff that's <laughs> come in, which is just nonsense. So Do you look at Mabel and Olive and go, oh God, I'm sorry, I'm taking you on this yes. journey you didn't ask to be taken? Yeah, absolutely. That is a large part of it. You know, because they're my dogs and I love them. They are just my dogs. And, and, you know, and just should be more than enough because they are brilliant and everything to me. But, and suddenly you're thinking, oh, right, okay, well, what, oh God, she's going a bit grey. Are we going to have to touch up her hair there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole thing is, you know, and then you start to think, well, I mean, as a, as a, uh, as a, you know, a working actor, she's, she's only got two years of, of looking great. So... <laughs> Uh, I have don't you got know. Some, have you got some puppies in the back that you're just you're just bringing through? Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, flashback. Uh, no, so it's <laughs> yeah. No, I, I do think sometimes that we, yeah, should we bring in another cast member? Like when 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 Scrappy Doo joined Scooby Doo, nobody liked it. This <laughs> it's is like, a podcast, Kenny. You're not you're not supposed <laughs> to. Do, do me look at him. Look how optimistic he is. You can't I if can you just listen to this. Thank you, Kenny. Thank you, Kenny. Um, <laughs> See, Jim Telfer wouldn't have approved of that. Yeah. He's just he's just pulled back the curtain there. He's just he's just uh, broken down the fourth, fourth wall. wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, to be fair to him, where where I'm recording is my side of the office, and his side is round there. And I did put a huge sign on the office door saying "podcast in record," but clearly he's he's going to use his dyslexia as an excuse now. But do you know the do you know the beautiful sort of um, synergy of this is that is that Kenny has wandered in like a happy Labrador, and my two. Olive and Mabel have wandered into to this room that I'm doing it in. So uh, we've just been joined by very optimistic creatures throughout it's this exactly. podcast. Exactly. Um, oh, and as you said that, Milo, our boxer's barking in the background, but you can't hear him. He's not coming in. Um, mm. So it's interesting that you um, obviously have got that you've seen, you've seized the opportunity. You're loving it as well because you, you might have hated it. You know, what if it had all been not what you wanted and you didn't feel very good about yourself and you felt like, you know, this isn't working. But actually you've, you've seized something that has become huge you know potentially bigger mm. than you <laughs> oh much and- bigger than me yeah but 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 i would stop you there because there there is definitely a negative side to it all i mean in you know when something goes viral and videos go viral and when you 
are stupid enough to have uh, one of your email addresses on your Twitter accounts. Um, <laughs> you know, well, exactly. But but that was there because in past, you know, as a freelancer, someone might contact you and say, could you come and host an event at the Darts or something? And then... Remember when we then, used to do events? Do you remember those days? <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, that's it. The, the, but then, so you think, oh, so you're dangling your rod in normal times and you might get a, occasional fish biting. And then suddenly videos go viral and your rod is just eaten by... Many, many shots. That's a terrible analogy. Anyway, so um, the world just suddenly floods in. Can I use that as the clip? When my yeah. rod was eaten by many sharks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, there's a chapter for the book. But it is, it, there's definitely, um, uh, it, you're engulfed by it all because it is just extraordinary the volume of um, interest and requests and offers and demands or whatever it might be that come into your life and you certainly can't respond to them all and, you say, and, and at times not, you can't okay, cope I'm, them I'm all. guessing if it's not a musical has Danny Boyle been in touch is it a movie <laughs> is it a <laughs> I just I just oh, I would uh, do that I would do that definitely so I'm, no I'm it's just uh, I, I mean yeah are you been... going to be commentating on the Six Nations next year or will you be in LA that's that's the the, the thrust of this I'll be commentating on the Six Nations if from if, LA <laughs> from LA yeah sitting by my pool um, going yeah it's uh, disappointing from Scotland um, imagine, no, imagine I, if you have like this huge metamorphosis right and you become this kind of LA kind of lifestyle rooftop Ferrari uh, roof down the Ferrari, cruising down. Kenny's actually laughing a from the other Ferrari. side. Of <laughs> <laughs> rooftop Ferrari. I've, I've got a Ferrari. I, I'm so important now. I've got a Ferrari. I've put it on my roof. <laughs> roof down on the Ferrari. I didn't even it's know a what a sloping convertible roof. was called. <laughs> and I'm that far away from that lifestyle. I couldn't grasp the word convertible. <laughs> yeah. And you're um, and you're eating at the best restaurants and you're dining with. I mean, like we would all, everybody in BBC Sport would. I uh, we would just be laughing. It would be. Hilarious. Yeah, exactly. I think I think the fact that we're all laughing, we know that it's not going to no, happen. Not, no, 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 we're laughing. No, 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 I, sheer I, jealousy. <laughs> no, it's just it, it, listen. It's these things are fleeting and ephemeral, and especially on social media. Yes, you can make things last a bit longer by taking them off social media and moving them onto a more stable platform, whatever that platform might be. But the the videos, in particular, the commentary videos, were very much of the moment and zeitgeisty, and even the Zoom meeting. So that's why, if you want to make it last longer, you move towards. Uh, well, the book will last Books, a little bit movies. longer, but then you move it on to different project, different mm-hmm. projects. You develop it all, and that's why you do the little documentary. You do other little videos, or you carry it forward. So there is potential to do that, but I don't know. The entertainment industry and the the more creative industry. We talk about sports broadcasting being fickle because of rights, but those other arms of the entertainment industry are even more. Uh, fickle and unstable and so do you again when we talk about the crossroads and you might want to try this but at the same time you'll try it but you know that this road straight ahead that you've been on for a while is more reliable and you're going to you know you're going to have some Listen, sort you're speaking of... to somebody who did a show called flock stars so i mean <laughs> <laughs> listen if they want to revive that i'm all over it with all of the mabel's with you on it we would have we would have had a success in our hands i mean you can imagine my excitement when i was asked to host a show that was about teaching celebrities to herd sheep i thought this is the next bake-off i was wrong um and that's how sometimes it can go wrong but that's that i find that i find that whole thing fascinating because and again i've seen a glimpse of that in um you know in the last few months in terms of offers and and some of them are so r- ridiculous and would just make you look ridiculous that you think well why would i why would i do that and most of them involve commentating on various silly things um but the temptation might be oh i'm just going to do everything try everything but then you really 
Yeah, you it have to have doesn't... some kind of filter, don't you? Yeah, and, but you're, um, you're right. But but the temptation is always there because you think, oh, these people want that's me. That's why I did. That's why I did flock stars because I just no. But I'm yes just I'm interested in how that was pitched to you, though. That's <laughs> I yeah. thought. I thought it was genuinely thought this. There was a there was going to be a movement after Bake Off towards lovely wholesome activity and family. Yeah. And, and where I, where they missed a trick on that show, I think, and I haven't analysed this too much, is we should have done it with real people and not with celebrities. When I say real people, people with real lives, not celebrities who expected winning. Yeah, because then it becomes like a bit like generation game yeah. dynamic where it's real people put in this situation so you get genuine reaction whereas celebrities are always more comfortable and they're showing off a little yeah. bit anyway so it's not real and also the, the people from you know lives that we didn't know about there would have been a journey and a story and all those yeah. things that make a show more wholesome anyway I wish you'd pitch it, it again we've got to <laughs> put it yeah I'll repitch it this time Andrew Cotter commentates I mean all the be Mabel like all and real it. people <laughs> but this is a very good time to introduce my expert for this podcast Every podcast, we have somebody who has a particular skill and some expertise that hopefully um, is not necessarily pertaining to you. Although I did carefully select today's expert with you in mind because mm-hmm. um, Jim Heitner, have you ever met Jim Heitner? No. Have you ever heard me talk him. about him? He's the global COO of IPG Media Brand mm-hmm. and he is um, a mentor, business mentor. I met him at ITV when he was head of marketing at ITV mm-hmm. and uh, he, he basically can can sell and launch kind of anything and he's he's brilliant at what he does flock stars <laughs> i said brilliant not not a miracle worker so what i thought was because a lot of people will be doing what you're doing not to the you know huge keddy heights you're doing it but a lot of people will have come up with ideas in lockdown or they will have had that moment where they've said if i don't do this business idea now if i don't sell this thing that i've invented or i don't write this book whatever it is i'm never going to do it and it's how you turn that into a success so this is not for you specifically obviously but i just um i thought it was a good time to uh to speak to Jim. So Jim, Andrew has obviously been talking about his incredible career change and things that, well, it's going to go alongside his regular career, but you know, what a what an incredible opportunity that he's created for himself. And so many people in lockdown have had the space and the time to think about ideas, you know, whether it's just, I like working from home, how do I do that more? Or I've invented this thing and I want to launch it. What are the fundamental do's and don'ts for somebody who is wanting to launch themselves into something new? By the way, I love Andrew's films of Mabel and Olive. And I think, Andrew, I was an early adopter. I'd like to say that. I'm not an early adopter of many things, but I was an early adopter of Andrew's Mabel and Olive films. And it's just brilliant. Oh, thank you very much. A genius, a genius, genius idea. But I was thinking, both of you, that it actually, it starts with his love for Mabel and Olive. And that would be my first tip, that anything you want to do or think would be a great idea has to stem I think from a passion or an interest um I mean you'd have to start with the premise that you'd be automatically brilliant at it I think if I woke up tomorrow morning and thought I'd be a great sports presenter Gabby you might tell me that might be tricky but I think you have to be genuinely interested or like what your business idea is um and so I don't know if filming Mabel and Olive was hard work Andrew it doesn't look like it but that's the that's the trick behind all genius ideas but most businesses are hard work as you know and it takes a bit to get them off the ground you have lows and you have highs but mostly at the beginning i would think you have lows so if it's not something you love or believe in it's not going to work i think 
would be a good tip. Following on from that, I think you have to also ask yourself the question, am I really committed to it? I know I am today. I know I can't wait to tell all my friends about it right now. I'm going to call my parents to tell them what I'm about to do. But when the adrenaline rushes over and when the phone has stopped, uh, I, I guess you have to work out whether you're going to cope with the first bump in the road. Am I still up for it? And I think, you know, gym membership, Gabby, I think people who who join a gym, I think the average length of tenure is about six weeks before you go back to your rosé and steak and chips and you go, you give up going. So I, I think you have to be really committed to it. Um, in lockdown, I think lots of my friends have said, I'm going to learn French or I'm going to learn how to make sourdough bread. And I don't know how many of them are still learning French and I don't know if any of them have cracked the baking of sourdough bread. But you've anyway, you've got to be committed once that first tinge of, of excitement is has gone and then lockdown i was thinking about you know so many businesses have thrived in lockdown either because they were always there but we need them more like amazon which i know is absolutely taken off like nothing else and home delivery and lego who we work with i know is can't fulfill all their orders but there are also businesses who have been created because of lockdown, like a snud that is now a mask or a mask is now a snud. But whatever the idea, unless you're going to do it as an additional thing to your day job, uh, it has to be sustainable and it has to have legs. It has to to have longevity uh, if you're going to pursue it instead of your actual job, if you're giving up the ghost for everything. And then finally, Gabby, I thought... The most challenging of all is you have to work out whether <laughs> whether it's a good idea or not. And if it is a good idea, are you the best person to pull it off? Um, and frankly, there's no quick answer to to that. Uh, I can't answer whether uh, how to work out whether it's a good uh, idea or not. So I would say, finally, do you love the idea? Are you passionate about it? Is it something you can't wait to dive into, whether it makes money or not? Because I think that's the key to developing a new business idea. Don't go into it for the money because it's almost certainly not going to make you a lot of money. You're not probably going to be the one that takes it to FTSE 100 level. Um, Don't go into it for for fame. Um, If it's going to feed your soul, and it's uh, whether it's a success or a failure, it's going to feed your soul and make you happy, then I think that would be a good criteria for it. That's it. And Jim, I think, uh, I mean, I, I, there are loads of different ideas. I kept looking at Andrew because I can see him on a screen and, uh, you know, kind of thinking that actually all of those points pertain to what he's doing. He's going to be fine. Andrew is going to be <laughs> fine. He's going to be very successful. If you if it's a much more orthodox business idea, you know, what Andrew's doing is very extraordinary. Yeah. What, are, what do you think are the biggest pitfalls where do people fall down in those early stages because you'll probably tell me the exact expression but there's something like for every billionaire entrepreneur they had you know kind of 48 ideas that that didn't come off before they got the one that was you know to launch them into uh, the kind of realms of success or how people judge success anyway financially yeah I think that's just a great question because I, I think the answer to it is patience because if you have a uh, obviously, one of the answers to it is funding, but you know how to how do you find the funding? But before you get to the funding bit, I think you have to be patient in terms of developing the idea in a small way. You know, if we have a great idea, right? I'm going to open a restaurant chain. Yeah, probably the best idea is to open the first 
yeah, the first restaurant in Borrowdale in the Lake District where you're not going to have uh, high-profile guests and you're not going to have, you know, 150,000 people walking in overnight and you're going to be able to make mistakes. I only say Borrowdale because I love Borrowdale, mm. because it's uh, a backwater. It's actually a front water you want, for me. You're uh, basically saying the next time you go there, Jim, you want a, a nicer restaurant to eat at. I think that's what that was. Yeah, well, I would. Well, well, here's the thing, Gabby. My dream when I want to give everything up is to open a tea and cake shop in Borrowdale. But I, I know I can't because guess what? I can't bake. And I wouldn't have the patience to, to to deal with grumpy customers. So there you go. That's my idea. And I can't do it because, although the Lake District is my passion, uh, the idea falters in the first hurdle. But I think patience and the idea of going small uh, before you go large is uh, probably a good idea. Yeah, I mean, I think the the sort of intangible thing is that the, the ingredient that you need is luck as well. You need yeah. you need some sort of fortune to smile on you in terms of timing, in terms of other factors coming into play. You can have the best idea in the world, and you can have all the drive and commitment and ambition in the world, but if you don't have that, whatever it might be that just causes something to take off or gives you that opening of the, of the timing or whatever, again, it might be that, that luck plays a part. And that was certainly the case with, with all of Mabel and me, because that wasn't, I didn't think, right, how can I, how can I monetize this? How can I make another career here? It was just something which by chance happened to take off because I was doing something to try and make some people laugh. It was the, the luck that I had the, the real need to show off or whatever. So it's, uh, but, but in terms of getting into broadcasting, you know, earlier on, Gabby would, you know, have a similar tale. I mean, I, I, you know, patience is the thing that you talk about there and you do need to be patient. You need to, you need to persevere and you're going to get knocked back and you're going to at times think this is never going to happen. But if you, if you're able to, if you're able to stick at it, then you have to stick at it because the doors might open. Something like broadcasting, and I'm sure it's the same for other um, you know walks of life, are very difficult to get into. Um, but if um, and I, I'm never one of these people that say if it's meant to be, it's meant to be because that's just not true. I don't believe in fate or anything like that. Um, but there's certainly a collision of factors that come together um, that might make something happen. But um, you've got to be patient because a lot of youngsters these days. I, I'm not, I don't have children, and I would sort of not fear for them, but I'd feel quite uncomfortable that they believe that you're told that you can do anything and you can have anything. If you work hard enough, you can be anything you want to be. And sadly, that's not the case because not everybody can be successful. It's, it's, just, you know, it's a combination of talent and hard work, or whatever. But one thing you have to have is patience because it's not going to come immediately. And also I wonder, Jim, about the great advice, Andrew, by the way, that part will be snipped out and given to my kids. The, um... Just snipped out and given to nobody. <laughs> that, that bit will be snipped out and become the podcast. No, the, um, the, um, the brand's values, Jim, are very important. Now, Andrew's values for, you know, what he's doing is just faultless, isn't it? You know, it's a love of animals. It's comedy. It's like the perfect confluence of things that everybody loves so the brands that survive this period and the brands that flourish in this period do they have do they have a kind of similar uh, value kind of structure are they are they yes. even noticing trends in that area well uh, not trends during lockdown gabby but the trends that have always been the same for brands have continued in lockdown and that trend for me is authenticity and that's what Andrew is, and that's what he is as, a, as in his main job, and it shines through, and it's what comes through with Mabel and Olive. It's authenticity is everything for a brand. If a brand 
is created and uh, particularly now with social media, obviously, and you know this, with the, with the advent of digital, if a brand uh, is created and it purports to be something that it isn't, it doesn't matter how much money you throw at it. It doesn't matter how much TV advertising there is. It doesn't matter how many uh, uh, people you get to endorse it. You could get you to endorse it, Gabby, who are, is yourself, a, you are yourself an authentic human being. I happen to know that. You, it, people will see through it. And that is, for me, uh, the great brands are authentic. I think authenticity is just enormous, wouldn't it? Because, and again, off the back of all this, you have so many offers to to advertise stuff, and yeah. sometimes a bit a product that I um, I do believe in, uh, and other times it'll be one that I certainly don't believe in. But you know, if you can't do it genuinely anyway, if people are seeing something and saying, "Ah, oh, this is just somebody who has been approached to do this ad." then it's just going to turn you away from uh, that product. Whereas if something is done organically and genuinely and it looks natural, um, then it makes all the difference in the world. And I think uh, that's one of the things about, um, you know, I, again, I feel strange even talking about uh, it in this way, but one of the things I quite like about, you know, Olive and Mabel is that they remain natural looking. You wouldn't dress them up. You wouldn't put them in a situation that makes them look absurd. It's just dogs being dogs. So it retains that sort of genuineness. And it's the simplicity, Jim, I guess, if we just kind of distill this and a final word on this, that kind of sums up the simplicity sometimes of the most brilliant ideas. And, and maybe what if people are kind of thinking, well, I've got this idea, actually try and make it as simple as possible. Would, would that be a good idea? Yes, it would. And that's why Andrew's films work. They're, they're not contrived. The, the idea is simple, clear, focused. You know, the more he complicates it, the less interesting it will be for people, the less the less engaged people will be. The, the simplest ideas are the great ideas, uh, and and they they only fail because we we then overcomplicate. Okay, this is this is putting a kibosh. I was going to film Ben Hur for dogs this afternoon, and now <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah, thinking yeah. maybe I shouldn't no, do that. I well, cash in, Andrew. Why not? Why not? No. Thank you so much for your uh, well years and years of expertise that you managed to distill down for us into a tiny, tiny little nuggets. There, they're brilliant. Thank you. Thanks, Gabby. I got Jim on just to make you feel even better that you're literally you're just doing everything right. It's all. Lovely man. It's about to come crashing down around my ears. So. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's great. And um and everything he said about authenticity and about um the simplicity, that kind of is is exactly what you're doing, isn't it? Simplicity is um, is one of the things as well. I know I'd, I really enjoyed making that uh, mini the mockumentary thing because I enjoyed the creative process of that. But so, sometimes it's a far more simple thing. You just I mean, I, I the other night I, I put out a you know a picture of someone had written in a paper about. Um, I saw that. And, Andrew Cartos had great success, you know, with his dogs Maisie and Mabel, and then so I just put out a little clipping. That I, I, first of all, I'd like to say I made sure that I cut out. You could hardly see what paper it was from. You certainly didn't see a byline because I, I hate sort of criticism of yeah, other people. It wasn't, it I call about... people the wrong names all the time in commentary. <laughs> so so it wasn't about that, but it was then with a photo of Olive looking really really pissed off. So it was that she her name had been forgotten. And, you know, that simple photo 
you know, about 45,000 likes, you know, and, you, and it took no time at all. And whereas you'll spend, I spent two weeks making that documentary, which again, got, you know, a good few, you know, views, but, um, but it's a, sometimes there's just a simplicity, but again, that's just luck. It, it comes down to a look from the dog or a, a simple, very simple idea. So yeah, exactly. Simplicity is definitely a, a good way of looking at things. Does so we're we're kind of like coming towards the end. You'll be relieved to know of our chat. You no longer <laughs> have to stare at me down the lens of it. Well, you haven't stared at me at all. You've actually just looked off camera for most yeah. of the time. <laughs> it, it with your life now, kind of moving in a very different direction in the middle of your life, and um, you know, and I kind of usually finish off change people. Do you feel hopeful for the future? Has all this made you a little bit more optimistic? Uh. I've seen a, a, a very positive side of social media. There's no doubt about that. I've seen a lot of love and a lot of nice people out there. And I, you know, quite often, as I say, um, don't necessarily see that side of humanity. Um, I don't, I, I, I almost don't want to end the, the podcast in the way of someone in the midlife looking forward because the second half of people's lives, you know, it's not, it's not one of unbridled happiness because you <laughs> You're, 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 it's uh, it's one <laughs> I can, this is terrible this is the <laughs> this real is me just, but this is the perfect way to end exactly. this telling everybody it's all going to get worse no but it's you know <laughs> people could say oh I'm looking forward to growing old disgracefully it's going to be fantastic well it's not but it's, yeah but the thing is it's so interesting I had Claudia Winkham and said it almost exactly that that she's looked forward to not. being 60 all of her life because she she wants she's kind of reveling in the idea of being older and I, it's not necessarily a viewpoint that I I no, I, I I can't I can't you know I just don't see that at all because I, a lot of it is a physical thing in that I have loved I love sporting activity I love it you know I'll cycle I'll still run you know my hips hurting a bit just now and that's something that didn't happen ten years ago I stopped playing golf because of my hip you know golf's supposed to be a thing you go to all you need a new hip older. mate you need a new hip well no exactly but that's still ten years down the line but everything starts falling apart your teeth start falling out and your hair goes <laughs> and whatever so it's not one of uh, you can't. I think if you're looking forward to that or something, come on now, really? But it's interesting. No, it's really interesting that you've gone for the physical things because this is where we, di- we, we differed, Claudia and I, because I said to her, the reason I do exercise all the time is because I just want to keep being able to be active. And because mm. she's never really been into exercise, she kind of That's what I said. That. It's one of my brothers is very much of the same mentality as me. We say that people who say I'm looking forward to growing old can't have that. And Claudia Winkleman looks in great shape, but, she, but they can't be have been that sporty or active you know, younger because they, they, you wouldn't look forward to old, like, old age because you're going to miss that. You're not going to be able to do that. And I need exercise and activity to keep my mental equilibrium yeah, yeah. because I need the endorphins. I need psycho- psychologically, if I don't exercise, and I've seen you in the gym as well, and whenever we're on these trips working, even when you're absolutely knackered, you need to get to the gym mm-hmm. or do a run in the evening or whatever it is to just decompress and calm mm-hmm. down and, and also give yourself that little bit of a... Well, here's the in- good news then, because Greg uh, White was on with John Bishop on this podcast. Right, yeah. And he said, when I said, I said okay, n- just just set it all down for us and give us the nugget, the, the one thing that midlifers need to know about exercise. And he said, you've got to train harder than you've ever mm. trained and that yeah. was actually that was just a joy to hear because it wasn't saying he wasn't saying slow down he said whatever you're doing do it harder so there you go 
Yeah, but you've, yes, you've got to. But then physically, sometimes that might not be possible with injuries that come in. But you, as, a, as a man, certainly, because your testosterone diminishes, and not in me, clearly, but, uh, <laughs> but you should be doing more weights as well yeah. because you just cannot women, build the women muscle. And need to do more weights. It's much yeah, harder and, and, to retain Well, muscle. exactly, because of your osteoporosis, etc. So you've got to do impact um, exercise as well. So perversely, when your body is less capable of it, that's when you should be doing more and more exercise. But there are all, always things that you can do, but it's just, it's like a, an ever decreasing triathlon as you get older because event you'll lose running then you'll maybe lose <laughs> cycling and eventually you'll just be paddling around in a pool <laughs> in your 80s but you've got to keep trying to do something yeah. that's the key thing and that's why on this serious note Andrew preaching from the sermon the pulpit towards the end that's why I really really dislike seeing people who have healthy enough bodies and young bodies not taking care of them because what a privilege it is to have that Health. body and to be able to use it and then just to waste it. And they'll maybe regret that in later life. But while you've got that, use it. God's sake. There we are. Let's just end on dogs. Oliver and Mabel, aren't they great? They're amazing, aren't they? They're just fantastic. And next time we meet up, because um, I did want to come up and do this podcast with you. Um, I, I don't actually know where you live. I know it's somewhere up north, but um, I would have just driven. and it, It's all down south to me it's Cheshire it's uh, it's not far from Warrington there's probably a blue plaque so. outside your house now Oliver and Mabel live here or something well so. someone was walking down so the pond where I filmed Mabel's pond escapades is sort of up at the end of the, the lane and someone was um, walking around here and they said I recognise that pond that pond is from and a couple of people said alright that pond from that video is just around there so I no. think there will eventually be a statue of or will become known <laughs> as Mabel's pond it doesn't have a name so oh there wow are Mabel's imagine pond. if it becomes known as Mabel's pond Mabel's pond I'm starting that's, that campaign that's that's book two. That's book two, oh, Mabel's God. Pond. Yeah. yeah, the one that doesn't sell at all. And then they suddenly realize that it's all over. And uh, there we are. I'm heading towards well, look, later. You, you've been a joy as I knew you would, even though you, you <laughs> tend I, not Gabby? to be. Have um, I been a joy? <laughs> you know, in, in, an, in an Andrew Cotter kind of way. Dark, dark joy. Uh, well, uh, I'm, I, I've enjoyed it anyway. So hopefully everyone listening has too. Thank you so much. And best of luck with everything. And I know you're going to be a massive success and that we're all going to be queuing up to buy tickets to watch the movie and uh, go see the musical and all yeah. of that. But hopefully I'll see you back at work soon sometime. Yeah, some, someday, one of these days, 2023, we'll be doing events again. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Gabby. Thank you. Well, it was an absolute joy getting Andrew Cotter onto the podcast and have a look for Mabel and Olive. If you haven't seen their videos already, they are so joyful. And it's also such a thrill to have a friend you've known for such a long time, a colleague who you know is super talented at their day job, to see him launch this second career because we've all known he's very funny and very clever and a brilliant writer. And now the rest of the world does too. So hopefully that has inspired you. If you've got something you really want to do, go and do it. Give it a go. Solgar's website is also another great place to browse while you're looking for Mabel and Olive. They've made it easy to find vitamins and supplement options, especially if you go to their daily well-being section because you can have a little look there and see what you might need a boost of as we go into winter. Thank you so much to Solgar, to producer Emma Corsham at Rethink Audio and to you for listening. I'll be back next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 